Hey friends, you're listening to What's the Point podcast, a, a podcast of Waypoint Church. My name is Eric Weiner, and I'm joined here with fellow pastors and brothers in Christ. Pastor Lauren to you. Pastor Danny Castiglione, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks guys. So glad that you can join us today. Um, it's been a little while since we've we've all been in the podcast together. We've, we've kind of had a, a brief hiatus, uh, a few weeks letting the pastor's wives take over and uh, letting our scientists get some get, get some words in. Just more important our, voices. Yeah. Encourage our church. Yeah, so it's been it's been great. I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying hearing uh, these other voices. Um, today in this episode, we're, we wanted to take some time to talk about our Bible reading plan, uh, just kind of get catch up and um, and also to talk a little bit about where we're headed with our where we've been in our sermon series, where we're headed in our sermon series as we look ahead to uh, Advent and and all the way to Easter. And man, I'm I'm so excited for Advent. I, I feel like it's it's we need so something needed. in 2020. We yeah. need something to focus on and re- reprioritize. And it I can't like... just be the consumeristic Christmas. There's right. got to be some point for us, some Absolutely. way for us to refocus and look look at God's faithfulness even when things are hard. I feel like the, the, the yearning, that this longing is more real now. Yeah. You know, this pandemic year, you yeah. st- I haven't really felt a yearning or a longing before like I am this year. Yeah, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how good things have gone in your life, everyone's been affected by the pandemic. Everybody needs to realize that, wow, we are not in control, that we need to trust God and, and put our hope in Him. So I, I, I feel like this Advent season could be a huge just opportunity for all of us to look look deep within and, and really just to say, God, wh- what are you doing and, and how can we trust you even when when things are uncertain and, and look to the hope that ultimately Christ is coming back to make all things new. But He is with us now. He gives us peace and joy now. And we say, I feel like we say every year as we get to Advent that that every every day should be like Advent for us as as we're just this longing we're, we're waiting for Jesus' return. But I feel like especially this year it, it really resonates. So this is this is what we need. Yeah. And Jesus is like we Lord Jesus comes soon. We we want you here. We want we want to see uh, the culmination of, of all things and, and your reign forever. Yes. Um, Amen. But before before we jump into uh, some of these other things that, that we just mentioned, I figured this this podcast is going to come out right before Thanksgiving. If you listen to it, if you're if you're like on pace with us, uh, so I figured before we get to this longing waiting and, and thinking about some of those things, let's let's talk about what we're thankful for and and in particular, what's what's one of the Thanksgiving dishes or sides that you're most thankful for, you're most looking forward to. Mm. So I am not a turkey fan. I like I mean, turkey. I mean, I'll eat Dark it. Meat. It's okay. It's a hot take. Yeah, but just, just you know, I'd much rather have a steak, you know, seafood. So check out the big deal. But man, I love stuffing slash dressing. Yes, huge fan. That's my favorite. Hands down. Stuffing. Yeah, so stuffing you could dressing. try the northern dressing or the southern stuffing. You can. And, I mean, the southern dressing and the northern stuffing. So you, I was taught one was what you call one if you stuffed it in the bird it's stuffing and if it's not in the bird it's dressing but then I found out if it's wet it's stuffing if it's dry it's dressed I don't know yeah so are you it. saying you like the wet stuff or the dry stuff so do you grill out or do uh, you barbecue both. Both. just kidding love it all <laughs> alright so we're talking about regional differences but Lawrence is like he'll just take it all I'll just, it just all. put it in front of him it's all good alright for me I you know I I think my favorite is also the stuffing slash dressing, but it, it has to have gravy on top. Mm-hmm. And I like putting the, I like mashed potatoes, the dark meat of the turkey, and mm-hmm. the stuffing. And I just kind of like pour the gravy over all of them yes. and just let it hit everything. And then just eat it all as almost like one joint uh, thing. I definitely prefer cornbread 
based, whether it's the northern or the southern version. I prefer the southern version a little better. Maybe I'm a little biased because my wife's family just makes a really good version of it. But either way, if it's cornbread based, I'm going to prefer it. But I And I love the dark meat. So it's nice because a lot of people go straight for the white meat. So there's plenty of dark meat left over for, yeah. for me. Gotta go dark meat. Yeah, dark meat all the way. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like you guys. So I, I, my family actually just, we just did an early Thanksgiving. And um, Sarah's mom makes these dressing balls that are just, mm. they're amazing. Like I, I've never had anything like them in previous Thanksgivings until like married into the family. And it's, they're just like, I mean, they're, I don't even know, like balls of dressing that are that are just uh, cooked in, marinated in, in like some kind of gravy that just. Wow. I, I asked Sarah, like, why That's is this delicious. a Thanksgiving thing? Like, why isn't this an year-round thing? Year, year round thing. <laughs> um, and then there's also the sweet potato casserole they do, like um, with the the nuts in it. That's like uh, cinnamon sugar, like mm. or some. It it's I'm like really right amount of right crunch, now. right amount of of like. I don't know. It's it's just it's so good. It's like dessert before the dessert. It's amazing. Wow. Um, so I those are things that I'm like we should do this more often. Yeah, we should also not have this conversation like right before lunch because I'm right, really hungry. Right. <laughs> well, just jumping in. I mean, as we're looking at at the the Bible reading plan and and what is the Bible reading plan? Why have we been doing a Bible reading plan? What's what's it for? How do we decide? Um, yeah, why, why did we choose a, a two-year plan for, for reading the Bible? And, and how are our sermons lining up with this? Yeah, so, I don't know. Sometime uh, last fall, the three of us were meeting as pastors and just kind of praying and asking God. And then we talked to the elders, like, like what are some of the needs of our church? And one of the things was a comprehensive Bible literacy. Most of the people had really good – a lot of our folks had – decent college experiences where they really grew, but a lot of it was New Testament heavy, and they were really into inductive Bible study, particularly inductive Bible study on the letters, and could just knew a lot about the New Testament letters, and maybe even John. But as we had just kind of engaged, and we did the Genesis, that well, we started the Genesis. The Genesis, women were already in a Genesis study. We just realized that even people who were mature believers didn't see how it all fit together. So Lawrence said, can we come up with a, a year Bible reading plan that kind of covers the big parts of it. So that way people could actually get through it. So I, you know, scoured the internet and found like three of them that where you, you get most of the Bible in a year. And then as I was about to publish it, I mean, literally put it on the realm, uh, I, a, a, a pastor in Atlanta had sh- modified this old Scottish two-year Bible reading plan from like McShane, an mm. old Scottish Presbyterian from like 200 years ago or something. He modified it. And I really liked it. And I asked Lawrence and I said, hey, what, what about if we just went two years? So it's about the same amount of reading that you would do in this this condensed one-year plan. But then it, people in two years could say, I have read the entire Bible. Lawrence is like, let's go for it. And we were, Waypoint's been around for, at that point, you know, five and a half years, six, five years. And we were thinking, would we, would we be able to teach through the Bible in 10 or 11 years? And what could we do right now to help? Just get people excited about from Genesis to Revelation. So the plan is where the Bible reading plan started in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And in two years, we're going to cover a lot of the major sections of the Bible, every major literature genre and every major component. And that's where why this time we're doing Matthew and Isaiah together to even show the beauty of those two. Any other additional thoughts on that, Lawrence? Yeah, I think the big thing for a lot of churches is... 
um, and a lot of people in particular, they shy away from parts of the Bible. Yeah. And I would think the whole work is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to shy away from part, parts of the, who God is and His Word that He's given us. And so as a church, we've always been Old Testament, New Testament in our sermon series. And so this was just a comprehensive plan. Danny put together a great kind of comprehensive plan for us to to really know the whole um, the whole canon, you know, the mm-hmm. Old and New Testament, so we have a good picture of it. You know, as, as a church, we teach a theology and of a kingdom understanding that's always a big meta narrative that's bigger than just this one section. It's this whole kind of th- goes through all of time, you know. And so we wanted to make sure that we got a good picture of that as a church body. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I, I think it's been such a great blessing to our church as as we're. I mean, even just hearing story after story of people who are who are really diving in, really trying to to go deeper and in, in understanding the, God's word, and 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 for us as as pastors wanting to to teach the full counsel of God, and and to do that, we need to to be reading the full counsel of God and 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 looking through His word and and seeking after Him. I think as we go, there are naturally going to be questions that arise, and 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 I think that's part of of. Uh, growing as as believers and 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 seeking to follow Jesus and understand his, his calling on our lives is uh, to know the story that that he has grafted us into um, and good Romans language yeah and and to see I'm trying to segue here uh, and and to as as we go as we as we do that yeah we ask questions and 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 we can be it's okay to not know the full answer to all of these questions right now. That this is part of our growing and seeking. That God, God wants us to ask these questions, but then He also wants us. He wants to ask questions of us, and and for us to to know ourselves more fully. And I feel like that's something that I've I've really appreciated, and and just going deeper and continue to learn about God's word and and how the people in it I resonate more and more with. That I used to think these people are crazy, <laughs> but now I'm realizing I'm crazy. <laughs> and man, it's it's helpful to see other people like me. In different times, in different places, uh, who it's just very humanizing, and I, I've appreciated that. So, should the Bible reading plan be called "God's Faithfulness Through Our Craziness" or something? Like, maybe, because as so. you read these narratives, Old and New Testament, you just see a lot of just the messed up people, but the faithfulness of God to preserve Israel, and then ultimately, we're the the new Israel, we're the church that's grafted into that. Yeah, I mean, God is using what He has available to Him, which is <laughs> crazy uh, people. <laughs> crazy people, um, and and I would say too, if, if maybe you're you're newer to our church, or maybe you're newer to the Bible reading plan, maybe you didn't even know we were doing a Bible reading plan. Um, I would just encourage you, just jump right in. There's, yeah, that's that's no no reason why you can't. There's no uh, no no guilt in this. It's uh, if you if you haven't. Um, you know, just just jump right right or in. Or if you're behind, at. just yeah. start right now. This starting this coming Sunday, November twenty second. So when you hear this podcast, we're starting with Isaiah and Matthew. So it's a fresh start. You won't have to get start in the middle of Kings or Chronicles, but you can start with Isaiah and Matthew and just just join us where we are right now. Yeah, and there's no guilt in this. We want you to know this is for your own personal growth and edification. We want you to, to know God more and to to love Him more, love His Word more, and become more like Jesus. So. We invite you to journey with us. And if we're thinking of our lives as a spiritual journey, Lawrence, even like the name Waypoint, like when you mm-hmm. chose it, like how to, how does that fit into the Bible reading plan? Like how do you think about catch, like we're, this is, is part of this like lifelong pursuit of knowing God and knowing his word. I mean, the idea of Waypoint was a, a Waypoint is a marker along the journey. And so this idea came together that none of us, were not home. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. But we're all on a journey together. And none of us have arrived. We're at different kind of waypoints, but this is a waypoint that God's called us together to be a part of. And so this idea of journeying together and, and this idea of not 
fully being home yet. And so that's kind of the message that we want to have our people to have is that we live in that, that reality. Cool. Yeah. So, Danny, you, you mentioned uh, this Romans language. And, and uh, as a church over the past several weeks, I don't know, a couple months, it's been, it seems like it's flown by. We've, we've been in a sermon series in the book of Romans. Um, now, some people would say you need to you need to preach through Romans for at least like eight or nine years before you, <laughs> you can really complete it. We decided what like twelve, fifteen weeks, something like that. Thirteen weeks. Thirteen weeks. Yeah. Um, Thirteen f- about fourteen, 14 weeks. weeks through yeah. Romans, I mean, I would yeah. say you know, Danny, you preached a, an eleven point sermon on a couple <laughs> chapters of Romans. I would say uh, in thirty seven minutes. That was a <laughs> that was actually a, eleven sermons in one. So. Um, but yeah, like as as we've been diving in, as we've been really trying to just know the book of Romans, and, and I've heard even some people say, you know, I don't think I've ever been a part of a church that's studied through the whole book of Romans, and other people have said, yeah, I'm pretty, I feel very familiar with Romans. You know, as as we've come back to it, what what have you been learning? What are some takeaways for you as as you've as you've been processing and walking through this book? I mean, I mentioned it a lot in my sermons, so I'll be quick because you guys have listened to a couple of mine on Romans, but I, I just. The thing that God's really showing me is is if you look at the end of the letter, it's about the unity in the church. And actually, Lawrence will hit on the weak and the strong. And the, there's there's these house churches in Rome. There's the Jewish people were expelled from Rome, and then they're allowed back. So there would have been a time when just Greco-Roman Christians were kind of running the church. Paul has some connection to a lot of them through the Jews who were expelled, like Priscilla and Aquila, they come back. So there's there's this rich history. And why does Paul write this 11 chapter? What well, we have as 11 chapters. There would have been no chapters in the original. Why does Paul write this long dissertation and give it to them in light of what we, we see in, in really in chapters 14, 15, and 16? And, and one thing God's shown me is he wants the church to be unified mm-hmm. and unified in the good news of this that yes, God starts the plan with the with Abraham. You know, we really starts it with Adam, and then we see the faithfulness with Noah and and getting us to Abraham. But God God has this this plan for His people, and Paul wants the people in Rome to be unified. He wants he he's like God's plan got the good news to the capital of the world to Rome. And I want you, Jews and Gentiles, to both see, both of them had prestige in the church. The Jews would have thought, well, you know, we have prestige because we're Jewish. We have Abraham as our father. But the Romans would have been like, hey, we got Rome. You know, we conquered you guys. So there would have been a lot of room for arrogance and, and division. And I believe Paul's presentation of the, of the good news, using so much imagery going back to Adam, going back to Abraham, talking about how everyone is guilty yeah, God's just showing me that Romans is about unity in the church, but when we're rooted in the gospel, we will become a unified church, but it's going to be hard, mm-hmm. and we've got to always go back to the, to the good news of this plan that God's had since the beginning that is fulfilled in Christ, and then we're part of this, and the grafting in, I think, is kind of the culmination of that, that the plan that God started after the fall with Adam and Eve, that Abraham and Sarah get the promise, we're part of that, so that... So I, I've seen a unity element in it, and I've been really excited about learning more about that. <clears throat> Going along with that unity element, I've seen so much. Most people read the Book of Romans as a very individual kind of reading of it. You know, this mm-hmm. is how I understand the gospel. This is how I fit into the gospel. How this is how I live out the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
in reality, it's, it's like Danny was saying, is meant for this group of believers in Rome, providing unity for them to live in community together. You know, it's just really like, how do we receive the gospel? How do we understand the gospel? How do we live in Christian community, live out the gospel in this time? You know, and this is so interesting to know that this is to the Roman Christians who knowing, Paul doesn't necessarily know this, but God does, that there's uh, persecution coming in a radical way. Yeah. You know, Nero's coming and there's going to be some amazing thing, but at the same time, strategically in an incredible city that has such reach. And the stories of the early church and what happened in Rome and how they responded to persecution, well, it only happens because they heard the gospel and it was real to them and they learned how to live out that real gospel. Um, the story of God's faithfulness is yeah. his grafting into the family. Um, they saw how to live that out. So Romans 1 through 11, really, we see this laying out this awesome treatise on God's faithfulness in the gospel. And then 12 through 16, we see how to live in community in that gospel. Mm, and right. so just a, what a beautiful, rich book, uh, how to live in community in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, it's helpful that you guys are, are, are hitting on these, uh, these parallel themes and ideas. And, and I, I would say some of the same things, too, of just these ideas of, of unity and, and even just the, the corporate body versus the individual and, and thinking more as, as multiple believers as a whole, as, as, as church body as a whole rather than, than the individual and how that, how that comes into play with, with salvation and what God's doing in the life of, of, of the body. And I just think about how relevant some of the things that we're talking about are to today and, and mm-hmm. for, for the church today where I feel like we see so much. I mean, I, just reading in, in different places like on Twitter, just online, wherever of just seeing so much factions and so many factions and so much mm-hmm. tribalism and, and what looks like on, on, uh, on the surface is a lot of disunity and maybe that's what it is uh, in, in our church today where you just, you have all these different groups that are factor that, that are sectioned off or, or and, and that, that being the picture of the church that the, our unbelieving community is looking at and seeing like that's, that's the visible church. But then to, to hold that intention with with what Paul is describing, and even as he's navigating some of these these issues that he's trying to help people walk through, that I think in, in some ways we're still learning how to walk through. And yeah, Lawrence, your, your sermon this past week on Romans twelve, um, and just talking about like the love, what what it looks like to be a loving community. I mean, the, the the picture that Paul paints there is just. Like that's something I want to be, and that's something I want to be a part of, and that that's what God is calling us to, and and so I think, yeah, that just really resonated with me, and just this, this desire to to um, to lay down some of the things that we're we're holding on to that maybe maybe we don't need to hold on to it so firmly because we we want to be gospel people and and yeah. learning what does that mean to be that and to, to seek I, unity in that. Yeah, I believe that the end of Romans twelve where he talks about you know love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I, I truly believe that's Paul's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I believe Paul is summarizing the Sermon on the Mount. That passage of Romans affected, actually, Martin Luther King heavily on his his theology of, of how to like cha- transform parts of society. But for me, yeah, I think justification, the end goal of justification isn't so that I can just sit around and live in my American bubble. The end goal of justification, Romans 5, is to be part of this gospel community Preach. that transforms the world. So, yeah. like... Preach. So, but you have to be unified in Christ. Now, is there going to be disagreements and dissension? Yeah. Paul, Paul's recognizing all that through his all his letters. Like, he's not saying that Jews won't squirm when they see Gentiles eating pork, you know? And he's not saying that Jews mm-hmm. all of a sudden have to just start eating pork just 
to show grace, but he is saying that until you can get to this point where you guys are unified in the gospel and see that this good news of salvation and even the law itself was to get us to, to back to the garden, back to this faithful community where God's faithfulness, and, and then there's this mystery to like how it all works, but you can live it out and you, you can be God's people. So I, I just love, yeah, this is, I've read Romans, you know, studied it intensively a lot in my life, maybe five or six times and learning brand new stuff this time. Yeah. I just think for our time in our society that's so fractured and so segmented, divided. I mean, honestly, if you look at everything in social media, it's meant to divide you anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I read, a, I saw a document on Netflix the other day called The Social Dilemma. Yeah. And it just goes, just, oh, wow, like, that's what social media is doing. You, you mm-hmm. get more click and more views if they cause more division. Mm-hmm. And I look at this and I say, in light of even believers, like, can you put down what you're what, what, what you think is the most important thing you know, and really hold up what the gospel, what Paul says in Romans 1 through 11 is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. That you're grafted into this family, that God is faithful, that he is pursuing. You know, and then instead of holding up whatever other things that are out there is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, and Paul calling us to be unified under that, under Christ. Yeah. And I like your point that the later, the next 200 years, the Greco-Roman people will suffer tremendously. The Jewish people, the yeah. Jewish Christians, yeah. and the Greco-Roman Christians will suffer tremendously for the gospel, mm-hmm. be martyred and beheaded, and all these things. But because of this foundation in the gospel, they were a unified church that God blessed, yeah. and God used it to literally change the world. We're we are a result of that of their faithfulness to the covenant, and 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 you know we we think now maybe maybe at least some of us I think probably are, are thinking you know the church is is in in ruin it's it's being uh torn down but but maybe this is just ripe ground for renewal and mm-hmm. revival that, that the lord is is working out among us and, and we just continue to press forward in that and so um yeah as, as we continue to talk guys about sermon series bible reading plan you know Dan, uh, maybe the church doesn't know this. Pastor Danny, week in week out, has has been working to to try to align the sermon series and the Bible reading plan, and and even in the Bible reading plan, you know, we're you're sometimes in three or four different places at once throughout the week, um, and and maybe you get bogged down by that. Maybe maybe it gets I don't know tiresome or you, you kind of lose your place. So we've we've been in Romans. We've already gone through Romans, and and uh, you, if you're if you're on track with it, you've probably already read through all of Romans, and now we're still preaching through Romans. Um, but then we've also been in the Old Testament and New Testament at the same time. We've been in uh, Kings Chronicles, and Samuels Sam, and, and, and of Samuel, Samuel Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just generally, I mean, we we touched on this a little bit. What, but what what advice and encouragement would you give to people who who are there, who are saying, you know, I'm just bogged down, like I'm tired, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it through. Why are we repeating some of the same stories? Yeah, and Chronicles is a retelling of the entire history of Israel in a more in a more positive light, and I I really think everybody who's doing the Bible reading plan should use the Bible project because you can watch a seven, eight minute video summarizing the, the book just to give you a good, just overview of what you're about to read and even go back to it in the middle. But yes, yeah, so if you're bogged down with the stories, you're like, wait, I read this and I already read this in Samuel. Now I'm reading in, in Chronicles and we're trying to like, like line them up in the plan where you read a similar story at the same time. You're like, I, I don't want to read about another bad king. I don't understand. And, and you might have even if some theological questions. So here's my advice to you. Just keep reading and just say, just 
pay attention to the patterns of God's faithfulness, even in their brokenness. We will study and go through a sermon series on Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles in the future, so you don't have to have all your theological questions answered right now. It's okay to just keep reading and just keep looking at the big picture of it. And, and one of the goals of the Bible reading plan is just to read the whole Bible the first time through for many of us. So, so I just persevere, trust God with it, and every one of your theological questions may not be answered, but, th- but that's okay. That's okay. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says, If secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So there are things that just, secret things that belong to the Lord that we just won't know this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that, yeah, that's how Paul ends Romans 1 through 11, right. with the mystery of, of God. And, and that there's going to be things about how it all works and the brokenness and, this, and salvation and God electing and choosing a people that we're never going to fully know. But yeah, keep reading God's word, and, and God, God will bless you in this. You, you will see the reward of this as we're all on this spiritual journey. Yeah, and so there's there's mystery in in our and as we there's things that we won't understand. But then uh, Paul often sometimes in in the New Testament uses this word mystery as as the revealing of things as as the mystery has been made known to us. And and I think that that's that's something very exciting about as as we're entering into this Advent season and looking into 2021 with our sermon series and and with the Bible reading plan is we're going to be taking a look at the books of Matthew and Isaiah parallel to one another. And so you have you have this prophecy and fulfillment going on at, at the same time this this uh in some ways this mystery revealed to us this 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 good news this this um this glorious th- story that god is is working out and so um yeah why why matthew and isaiah why are we going there because it's uh so waypoint of us to combine <laughs> old testament and new testament <laughs> book at the same time yeah it's perfect it's because it's waypoint yeah so i preached a sermon a couple year maybe a year and a half ago when we had just a Sunday where Lawrence is like, just preach on something on your heart, on Matthew 12. And there's this this quote from Isaiah in the middle of Matthew, right? In, it's like the fulcrum of the book. And Mark and Luke don't have this quote from Isaiah. And it's basically about God's chosen servant. And it's Matthew's way of bringing, basically saying that everything that Isaiah promised, and Isaiah's getting all his promises from Deuteronomy and from, from you know, Moses, Everything he promised is fulfilled in Christ. So really, the book of Matthew is, and John too, but the book of Matthew is just saying all these Old Testament prophecies, with Isaiah being the major prophet with the most prophecies about the Messiah, the Anointed One, are fulfilled in Christ. So we just thought, let's study it together from Advent to Easter, mm-hmm. and, and just let's, let's let the Word teach us. And even a lot of scholars call Matthew, the, I mean, uh, Isaiah the fifth gospel. Because it is saturated with Messiah language, telling us about Christ. We have this book, Isaiah, this incredible prophecy that was given, and a, a prophecy of judgment, you know, judgment to the nation of Israel, judgment to Jerusalem, saying, hey, we've seen the promises that God made to us. We made a covenant with them, but we're not living up to them. We're not even trying. We're forgetting about them. And he's saying judgment will come in the form of these empires. But throughout this whole book of judgment, there's this language always about hope. There's this hope of God fulfilling his promises, God keeping the promises he made in Deuteronomy, this hope of a Messiah, this hope of a suffering servant. And so this beautiful book of Isaiah has this has this hope weaved into this idea of judgment, and we see it culminating fulfilled in the book of Matthew. And so they just go so well together, Matthew being the first book of the of the New Testament ties into this idea of we're connected to the Old Testament. Matthew isn't a new book by itself. 
Matthew is a continuation of what God is doing in Isaiah. Amen. And John the Baptist is kind of the final prophet in this line of prophets, you know, mm-hmm. and actually in our Advent, after right after our Advent series, we'll kind of launch this section where looking at John the Baptist. But during our Advent series, we're going to look at Jesus as Emmanuel, Jesus as Messiah, and Jesus as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And those will line up with the hope, love, joy, and peace um, themes of Advent. So, yeah, from Advent to Easter, we felt like this God just gave us this awesome opportunity. Plus, gospel is an important genre. It's the, I would say it's the central genre to the Bible. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. So we're, we're getting this comprehensive gospel that ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Plus, pro- prophecy in, in Old Testament you know, fulfillment of like this anticipation of prophecy and these warnings of God, like, you know, these, all the stuff you're reading in Kings and Chronicles and Samuel about these bad Kings that God said in Deuteronomy, if, if you just turn to me, these things won't happen. But all these things, Isaiah is kind of the culmination of that. Like when Isaiah starts his ministry, Jerusalem hasn't fallen mm-hmm. and he sees the fall of Jerusalem and he sees, and you know, he, he sees, he anticipates what's going to happen when they go into exile. But even in exile, the whole book, like it, Isaiah is awesome because it's, it's really cool. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it has 66 chapters. Like we have 66 books of the Bible mm-hmm. and the first 39 chapters and there's 39 books of the old Testament are kind of like preparing you for the Messiah. And then the last 27 chapters of Isaiah are about this anointed one, this Messiah, and we have 27 books of the New Testament. I don't know if they did that on purpose, random coincidence, but it's really cool (laughs) to think that Isaiah is a book about Jesus and about judgment. And we can, if we really dig deep and look at it, and Matthew's going to help us do that, we're going to just see, wow, the church needs Isaiah. We we Matthew needed Isaiah. Actually, Isaiah was their Bible. Like the early church, when they're meeting and gathering, they didn't have Romans, and they did eventually, but not initially. They didn't have Romans and Colossians and, and John. They were reading Isaiah and Ezekiel and Deuteronomy for worship. And uh, we're, we're going to dive into that and, and get excited about the themes that show up in both, and, and then how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of it. Hmm. I hope you are excited about it. I mean, I know this is for some of us, like like me, Danny, and Eric are talking about it. We're kind of a little bit we're more nerdy, um, <laughs> and so we get excited about it. We're like, whoa, the numbers and the themes and the motifs and they all match up. But I hope you're excited about it too, because the message is over and over again: it's rescuing God, who redeems His people, um, who sent a suffering servant. I mean, this is incredibly exciting stuff. The themes that we're looking at about so relevant to us are like idolatry and and holiness and judgment and salvation and repentance and comfort. I mean, these are themes yeah. that are we need to hear. The right last now. 27 chapters of Isaiah are titled, basically the theme, Comfort My People. Mm-hmm. Comfort My People, you know, and that's what we need right now. We yeah. need, and they're comforted when the anointed one is is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're part of that. Right now, we're comforted in the fact that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Anointed One has come, and He reigns, and He will come again. So, we're, yeah, we're going to explore all these amazing themes. That's good. 
Yeah, and I think I think that that's part of why I'm so excited about Advent this this year in particular, and just all, every year. I, I love Advent season. I, I said that, um, but I think you know, as as we're talking about this prophecy fulfillment, all these different motifs, all these different themes that that we're excited to to be uh, to be preaching, teaching on, and, and thinking about over the over the next several months in the life of our of our church. Um, just the element of surprise. I think Advent especially hits on this element of surprise, but even even with prophecies being made about this this coming Messiah, there's still this element of surprise, this, this, this unexpected aspect of, of the coming Messiah, Jesus, our Emmanuel, the one that we've been waiting for, coming, this dawning light in the darkness who gives us hope and joy and peace like we're talking about in, in, in the Advent season. Um, but just, I think that um, in in the Christian's life, in the Christian's walk, you hit these seasons where you feel like, yeah, I kind of know what's going on. I kind of know what to expect. I've heard these things before. We've done these things before. And, and maybe, maybe it gets stale. Maybe it gets old. But I think this element of surprise and, and, and the nature of, of Jesus' arrival and his ministry, his life, his, his death and resurrection – all, all the the culmination of all of that, I think, is just so exciting. Like he he is a surprising Messiah. That he's he's a suffering servant. He's um, he's yeah. not a Roman warrior. That, right. He's not a a Jewish guy that's going to come in with swords and armies and conquer. He, it's a spiritual battle. It's a it's a, a battle of humility that fights Satan and his legions of of evil. Yeah. And and the people that he comes to rescue. It, we we are not one. It, 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 there's so much surprise involved that we he rescues us and and in a way that we wouldn't expect, and he raises us up through that in in a way that we maybe some of us feel like we don't deserve, mm. but then through his righteousness, as we've been talking about in Romans, and and we'll continue to talk about this, just rejoicing. He gives us comfort and, and he he cares for us. He's even in knowing these things, even in knowing these prophecies, and then then talking about them being fulfilled. I think. Man, this is not what we expected, and that's such good news for us. And, and so I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Isaiah, Matthew, and to be bouncing back and forth between them and, and reading them. And um, I know there's going to be things where it's like, that's confusing. I don't really understand that. But um, I think ultimately, yeah, just the surprise, the surprising nature of Jesus in our lives and, and getting to see that anew each each week, hopefully, and, um, and diving into that. Um, so, guys, as, as we come to a close in, in this episode, you – we're still we're still walking through COVID. It, it seems like uh, the, these things are still very much on the horizon. Even as we enter into 2021, we thought maybe it'd just be a 2020 thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of us thought it'd just be a, like an eight week thing. Um, we're a little off on that, <laughs> but it's because it's still going on, and we're we're still looking ahead to it. But you know, what advice and encouragement do you have for for our congregation as as we enter into Advent, as as we study these books, as we think about these? Uh, as we still, you know, you talked about comfort as being part of this, but but just as we as we continue to struggle and as we can continue to to move forward, what what encouragement can we expect to find um, in in Matthew and Isaiah and and just moving forward? Yeah, I think as we, I think for a lot of people, Thanksgiving is first and then Advent, and I think some people are fearing conversations with family: should we travel or not? As there's spikes you know should we quarantine before get a covid test i I just think there's there's a lot of anxiety coming out in this this next week and and i think 
we can just take comfort in Christ. And then as we, as we move out of that Thanksgiving season, when we're just saying, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you in conversations with family. We're going to trust you that maybe my opinion might differ from other people's opinions. But I'm going to be humble. I'm going to just say, okay, God, you're bigger than this. You're going to see me through this. And, and you know, I'm going to see comfort in you. And I think coming out of that, we're going to enter into this Advent season. And, and I just challenge people to really look long at history look back look at god's faithfulness don't just think about right now yeah it's it stinks we can't do a lot of things and people are arguing and we like should we do this or that what if we would have done this in april what if we would have done this in may it's it's no fun and it just continues on and schools are like should we meet two days a week modified this that there's just a lot of stress so i just challenge everyone i'm speaking to myself too i'm pointing the finger up myself just rest in god and and look look at these themes hope love joy and peace the four key themes of advent and and then finally christ that the the final candle of advent the final culmination on christmas eve will light that christ candle so where where is god's hope in, in, in the big picture, I'm, this is just a short blip in my life, a, a tiny blip in history, in human history, you know, but, but I'm suffering, it's hard, so where can I find hope, where can I be the love of Christ and feel the love of Christ, and where can I just, how can I experience joy and peace in this time? So my advice is to just focus on the words, hope, love, joy, peace, and Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who came. As we um, <clears throat> get into Matthew and Isaiah, one of the things we're going to learn about is this idea of being a part of the now but not yet. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. that we're part of the kingdom and God, Jesus has done all the work. We're in salvation. We're grafted into the body, but we're not finished yet. There's a there's a lack of, there's a, not a consummation of the kingdom yet. And this reality of living in the now but not yet creates this idea of tension. And as you, people who know me at Waypoint Church, that's my favorite word. Waypoint bingo. Yeah. Lawrence said tension. Tension is my favorite idea. And, and I think living in this reality of how do I live, my advice to you now is that living in suffering, living in this world, living in a broken world, we have to realize that the not yet is coming and it will be ours. I think we have to have a future glimpse of eternity while still living for Christ in the now. I think we have to understand what is coming in the restoration of the new heavens and the new earth. You know, this idea of consummated kingdom, um, but also live into seeing his uh, goodness in the land of the living. You know, this living in this beautiful tension where everything that we face now, everything that's happening now is light and nothing compared to the magnificent glory of his future glory. But also, everything has purpose now. And everything is is leading towards something now. And the sadness and recognizing the brokenness, God, we're still comforted and we mm-hmm. can still comfort others and, and bring hope to others right. in this brokenness. So yeah. I think living in that the, the re- beautiful reality of the now but not yet. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I appreciate the 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 seasons that we walk through, the the, the calendar that we get to to that we you know, liturgy, these, these things that we're kind of walking out in, in the life of, of our church and, and just through the, the yearly cycle that um, even now as, you know, we're looking at Thanksgiving, we're looking at Advent, that, that these things, you know, life feels disorienting at times, but these things kind of, these things locate us mm-hmm. and locate us in the story of what God is doing. They remind us, we get to walk through these things and remember Jesus came and, and he, he lowered himself to make himself accessible to all of us. And and so I'm I'm excited and encouraged and, and I thank you guys for, for sharing these things. I feel like um, you know, we've 
gotten to to kind of wander through and 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 think through what this episode is for and, and just finding the point that that uh, as as we continue to study the scriptures together that we are um, we are finding Jesus anew and that he he continues to enter into our world that he has made himself uh, accessible to to us no matter what we're walking through that he is with us in this that he is he is our Emmanuel and um, and that's something that that's a that's a reality that we all need and we need to, to Amen. rejoice in and I'm gonna end with the passage in Isaiah, I mean in Matthew that I referred to earlier, and it's it's the point in, in the narrative in, in Matthew where Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, and Jesus says, you know, he asks him, he says, the law permits to do good on the Sabbath, and they're like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus says to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. And the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. And then, and then Matthew says this, He says, but Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left that area. Many people followed him. He healed the sick among them. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This was fulfilled. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and in his name will be the hope of all the world. And that's our hope. Have a great Advent season and remember, in his name is the hope of all the world. We have the hope of Christ. Amen. Love you all. Have a great one. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.